With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's time to get serious about California's failing infrastructure. More than 1,600 bridges are structurally deficient. Proposition 6 will make things even worse. Prop 6 eliminates more than $5 billion annually in dedicated transportation funding. And 6 kills local traffic relief projects already underway. That's why the California Professional Firefighters and California Association of Highway Patrolmen all say no on 6. Paid for by no on Prop 6. Stop the attack on bridge and road safety. Sponsored by business, labor, local governments, and transportation advocates. Committee major funding from California Alliance for Jobs. Jokic behind his back. What a take by Jokic. Hey, Nuggets Nation. You're listening to the Pickaxe Podcast. Now, here's your hosts, the Denver Stiffs. What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome into the Pickaxe Podcast. I am Zach Mikosh with DenverStiffs.com. Of course, make sure to check us out on Twitter at DenverStiffs, at TheDenverStiffs on Instagram, and make sure you like our page and check us out on Facebook, because as I say every week, there is quite a bit of content that you will find on those platforms that you will not necessarily find on our site. Uh, a lot of cool stuff over on Instagram. Our, our fearless leader, Mr. Adam Matis, has been doing a lot of Q&As over there. Of course, uh, season season is about to start, or at least preseason. All the home games will be doing the Facebook Live videos of the warm-ups and doing Q&As there as well. Um, and then just always our Twitter feed is always fun to follow, so you want to make sure you're getting all of that stuff in. So, with that said, let's get into this week's pod. We took last week off. Uh, there just wasn't a lot going on, and we knew Media Day was about to come up, so we took a week off, let everybody get some rest before we before we got back full tilt, and that is where we're at now. So, without further ado, uh, let me introduce my co-hosts. First, from all the way over in South Carolina, hanging out with us late at night, it's Mr. Ryan Blackburn. Ryan, what's up, buddy? How's it going? Why do you always introduce me first, man? Uh, because you're young, you know, we know how you age before take that stuff seriously. young age before beauty. I, I like yeah. to be verified and, and, uh, just, just make sure that everybody values me as much as possible. <laughs> Spoken like a true millennial. I say that, but you know, technically I'm a millennial as well. I would technically be the first year of the, uh, millennial generation. There. So are you telling me that you oh. understand me? I do. No one understands you. No one understands you, Ryan. (laughs) That is true, Ryan. It is is like 11.30 on a Friday night, and you're in college, and you've decided to come on and uh, do a pod with us while drinking Sprite. So I don't understand that. Hey, I wasn't wasn't going to uh, tell about my drink of choice. I was going to leave it up to the imagination of the folks at home. But... uh, but thank you for for letting loose my secrets. Thank you for putting putting you on blast for being a spray. Oh, I, you know, I never said what your mixer is. So 
<laughs> I'm 20 years oh. old, dude. Oh god, to be young, to be young. Um, also joining us uh, from just down in Colorado Springs is Gordon Gross, who uh, is like me and is just an old man who's got nothing better to do on a Friday night. So what's up, Gordon? Yeah, yeah. I love coming in from a full day of work to come ahead and podcast all night. It's a good deal. <laughs> also, though, Zach, I have to say, man, like uh, you used what is up to start the podcast, and I'm not sure that you're not biting off uh, uh, anything from Adam Mara's there, so – that is right. Well, so yeah, no, I know I had to switch it. I had to switch it. I usually do, you know, the welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, because you're right. Yep. Adam is the Adam is the what is up. Uh, Adam is the what is up. Uh, Jeff is obviously what's up, everybody, and then of course, I mean, I can't, I can't go full Nate Timmons and be like everybody entangled in the interwebs. So um. <laughs> yeah, no, no, only only Nate can do Nate. Nobody else does Nate. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So I had to, I had um, to come up with my own intro but apparently i'm, I'm looking for a how's it hanging bros from from zach mikosh on the next edition of the pickaxe <laughs> on the california edition how's it hanging bros okay uh, never mind don't all do right that. we're way off no, we're, we're, already, we're already no never do that again yeah we're good <laughs> we are way off track uh just three minutes into this podcast um and so all right so we've got we i'm excited we actually have tons of stuff to talk about it's finally here um, I want to get thank into God, the... right? Exactly. No more, no more segments on Josh Childress. Uh, no offense, <laughs> no, no offense to you, Josh. Um, so, so I want to get into, I want to get it back into media day a little bit. I was on Locked On Nuggets with Adam, and so I, a lot of my thoughts have already been out there. But uh, I guess I'll more just kind of recap what I was thought. But I want to get Ryan and, and Gordon's thoughts on that because uh, I thought there's a lot of stuff that came out on media day. It was really interesting. Uh, and then, of course, uh, training camp, full full on. Uh, some stories coming out of training camp we want to touch on, specifically Emmanuel Moutier, Trey Lyles, Paul Millsap. Uh, so we will get to that. And then tomorrow we're recording this Friday night. I promise I won't slack off and wait two days to finish editing this thing. Um, but we will we will uh, talk about the Warriors and Nuggets because they are playing tomorrow. So we will have this pod out Saturday morning. Um, and then, then you guys should be able to get a little preview of the game, which, by the way, I think we're going to start doing that now. We, typically, the, the, the pickaxe comes out, I think, on Sunday nights is usually what we aim for, so you get it first thing Monday morning. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not naive, though, and with the Denver Broncos in full swing, trying to, trying to capture people's sports attention on a Sunday night or Monday morning and not being Denver Broncos talk is going to be pretty tough. So, hey man. With that hey, said, we, we at the Denver Stiffs, we may be dumb, but we're not stupid. So, get it through your heads. We we understand our place <laughs> over here. That's right. That's right. And we also know nobody really gives a shit about the Buffs or the Rams. So, we're happy to send this out on a Saturday morning. <laughs> and I will wait for the CU fan hate to come as it generally does to me every week. Um anyways, let's uh let's get into it. Let's get into it. let's start with Media Day since that was back on Monday. Um all kinds of stuff comes comes up on Media Day. It's a little bit it's a little bit of a uh rat race. You get in there, you have you have your chance to um to talk with with coach and in Tim Connolly and Arturis Carnosos. That's the first thing we do, but of course there's like a ton of media members there, so it's hard to get in questions. Um, and then right after that, you get in, you get to go interview the players off the practice court. But they send out like ten of them at a time, and you just it's just like a giant scrum 
to talk to all of them. So uh, it was hard to keep track of everything, I guess, is my point, as it was going on. Now that we've had a little bit of time to review, I think I want to hit the highlights here. Let's start with I thought which was was by far uh, the most noteworthy interview to come out of um, out of Media Day, which was Kenneth Fareed. Uh, Gordon, I'll go to you first. Kenneth says he's a starter and he's he's going to fight for that spot. Uh, does he have any hope? Uh, he he said it with like periods and claps and like yeah, I am a starter. He was very <laughs> he was very clear. Um, uh, yeah, he has no shot. That's not here. He's never starting over Paul Millsap, ever. So if Paul Millsap somehow gets injured, then sure, I guess Freed's in the mix. But he is not starting over Millsap. He will never start over Millsap. So his idea that he's a starter is fine as long as he believes he's a starting caliber player. The, The problem with that is that that's not what he means. What he means is I deserve the, I don't know what he thinks it is, the adulation, the glory of being a starter. And, and so right. that's that's going to be a little harder to come by here. Like, it, that's a little harder to come by in the West. Right. Period. Like, the, the number of places I could think of him going in the West where he could start are zero. So, I mean, maybe maybe Phoenix, I guess. You yeah, know. but even Phoenix, you would think they'd, they'd, they'd want to prefer. I mean, they're clearly in, in tank mode this season. You would think Phoenix is probably going to want to – because I thought about that too, but, I mean, you'd think they'd want to either start, you know, Dragon Bender um, – Marquise Chris, though Chris will probably start at center. Uh, I don't know. Hey man, I've, he, uh, really, he really should I've, not. I'm going to, I'm going to continue pushing my Kent Bazemore for Kenneth Fareed trade proposal over to Atlanta. Can well, I don't know that they can. Can they? Well, the, yeah. ooh, you want us to be cat uh, in the tax next year, then, don't you? There, or well, I guess I honestly don't care. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> that's like, fair. If you yeah. if you want a contender, if you want to show this city that you're going to be a playoff team long term, then you better be ready to pay the tax. Mm-hmm. All these young guys, they're going to get up into age and they're going to continue to be ready. But like, they're, I mean, they're going to get paid. Like, Jokic is going to make twenty five million ne- next year. Uh, Harris, yep. where they're working on an extension, and if if the extension goes the way that we kind of all think it's going to, it's going to be around seventeen million, eighteen million a year. So like yep. that yep. like they're they have Millsap for thirty million. Like they they understand where this is going and if they if the reports are true that they want to re sign Barton as well, then they they understand that they're heading towards luxury tax territory. Yeah. Well, but for that like Kent, if you're talking Kent Bazemore, he would replace Barton. Like you would right. trade for Bazemore, Barton then has to go because Bazemore is gonna get his minutes. So that's fine. You could do that, and that would be instead of extending Barton because I don't, I really don't see how they're going to be able to extend Barton. But I agree with you. Like they're obviously looking at ways to strengthen their their squad. I mean, if you've got to meet match up with Mello and you know Paul George and um, and Westbrook over in Oklahoma City, and you've got whatever the heck they're doing up there in Minnesota, whatever that like Hydra is going to be up there eventually. <laughs> You know, you're you're in the middle of, of trying to make all of this work, and you've got to have the talent, and you've got to have people who know their position. I just right. don't know that Fareed knows his position. Like, that's uh, – Fareed, I think, as a, as a backup power forward getting 18 minutes a game, as a, like, class rebounder on a bench that can shoot, and all he has to do is go crash boards, that's great. But I don't – we don't have that bench. 
Right. So I don't I don't see how he fits on the bench, and I definitely don't see how he fits in the starting lineup. So, for, I know what Freed wants, and I just don't know how to give it to him as a nugget, and I don't, don't know where we could ever trade him to. So Honestly, it's, he's in a weird spot. The, the only he's way spot. the only way I see uh, the only way I see him actually filling a role on this team is if one of two things happen: either Paul Millsap gets injured or Mason Plumley gets injured. Right. Because that. That right. that group, like you're you're going to have three main big men on this team. Like that's that's just kind of a fact. Like Jokic, Millsap, and Plumlee at this point seem to be the three main big men that they want to go with because all three are pretty versatile. They know how to pass and they're pretty skilled. Uh, Farid is not and that. Paying two of them a ton of money. Absolutely, yep. absolutely. And Farid is not that. However, if one of those two, like probably uh, other than Jokic. If one of those two were to go down, then Fareed completely finds a place in this rotation because he can play with Millsap or he can play with Jokic, and both of them could cover for his weaknesses a little bit. That's just not like what you should be game planning for, though. What you should be game planning for is for those stars to be on the floor for 75 games a year and to compensate those guys with complementary players. And right now, Fareed does not complement this roster as well as it can be. They just need a stretch four off the bench, and that's just not what Farid is anymore. Right. Or ever. Right, ever. and that's kind of why I think, that's that's kind of why I almost think, hey, not only do I not think that Farid's going to be a starter with this team, I have questions about whether he'll even be a, a rotation player at all because exactly what you point out, Ryan. Like, And don't get me wrong, I think uh, after Paul Millsap, I think if you're just talking pure, pure who's got the most talent, I would say it would be Farid would be next in terms of power forwards. But because he can't stretch the floor, um, and because obviously Mason Plumlee can't stretch the floor, and because your backup point guard is, at least I'm thinking, is probably going to be Emmanuel Moutier, who's not a great shooter in his own right from from three-point range, um, you need somebody in that power forward position who can at least keep the lane somewhat open for Moutier. Uh, which is why yeah. I think I think honestly, if 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 they go with four four big men instead of the three, like you were talking about, Ryan, I think it's going to be Trey Lyles is probably going to be the other guy um, who gets that. We're going to talk about that later, but I think right. it's going to be Wancho. But okay. we'll talk about that later. And yeah, we'll, and, we'll, and we'll, right, we're we're going to get in that. But 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 I think we all kind of see the same thing is where it's it's not only do we all agree, obviously he's not going to start over Paul Millsap, but I think all of us are on the same page as well. It's like I don't know that there's a spot for him at all. Um, with re- with minutes, like I, there's a there's a spot if somebody gets in foul trouble. There's a spot, but I don't see how he gets right. twenty twenty whatever he wants minutes a game, every game. I don't see it. Like I don't know where that is on this roster. So right. I I have really trouble seeing him get that, and and I think that's going to be a pressure point really early on for the Nuggets if they if they do not move him. I don't see how they can play him with the lineups that it looks like they're going to run out there, and that makes it tough, man. Like. It, I wrote that article, you know, today about player fit because it watching him on the court, there are things that he does spectacularly well, but right. I don't see how he's going to be allowed to do those things for this roster. It's just awkward. Absolutely. Yep, I, I, I would uh, I would also just follow that up really briefly with Fareed did say during that media scrum that he kind of understood what it meant to bring in a Paul Millsap caliber player. Like Paul Millsap is right. an all-star and he said that. So... I don't necessarily think that he means he's a starter on this team. Like he did say that, hey, if if I'm not going to be a starter on this team, then I could be a starter on on, there are 29 other teams. And I think that he, I think it might have been taken out of context a little bit what he was trying to get at there. Unfortunately, it just kind of sucks that the way that he delivered it is 
awful. Like he he really needs to have a yeah. publicist. Yeah, I've said this too about Fareed, and, and, and it's funny because I've I've come a long way uh, with him uh, getting getting a chance to uh, interview him more and getting a chance to you know get one on one time with him. Um, it it's not that he's he he's trying to be antagonistic or anything like that. It's just he's a guy who who does not have a filter. He is going to say what's on his mind exactly how it's on his mind. Um, and he's not going to sugarcoat it at all for you. So, like, I think you're exactly right, Ryan. I mean, he's just kind of calling it what it is, um, and it, it it comes off really bad, sounding really bad. Um, but it, but that's that's not because he he's you know trying to be a uh, a problem or anything like that. It's just you know he's just that's how he is. It's just, he's not gonna he's not gonna bullshit you, I guess, um, at all. So yes, he could probably use a publicist because they're all full of bullshit. Uh, basically, <laughs> it, it is a bullshit job. That is for sure. <laughs> exactly. Uh, all right, let's move on to the next thing. Cause it it kind of ties into this, which is I want to talk about. So, so I thought this was very interesting that that Michael Malone mentioned. He even said he said I want to go with a nine man rotation um, in his press conference, which I think is interesting because nine man rotation that's is, not going to work. Yeah, exactly. No. So it, it's going to be very tough. Like I'm 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 an advocate of a nine man rotation. I think generally. Um, if you are a team who's who's got high aspirations, you probably are going to want to um, figure out the nine guys you're going to run with in the, in the regular season, and then you're probably going to drop one of those uh, in in the off season. You can also do you can also or not in the off season in, in the playoffs. You can also do a ten man rotation. A lot of teams have have success with that, which I think is going to have to be is is a closer to realistic it has to be uh, right for the next, because here's the thing: uh, it comes down to. We've, we've talked about Kenneth Freed and then Trey Lyles, and then Gordon, you briefly mentioned Wancho. Um, you figure at least two of those guys have to get minutes. And, right. And, well, if and, you're talking, if you're talking like, you know who your starters are, basically. You right. know, it's Jokic, you know, Millsap, Chandler, Harris, and then your point guard. So whoever, you, whether it's Murray or Moutier or Jameer, like you have the point guard. So then right. you got, you're talking, we only talking about four bench spots. So right. you've got either Moutier or Jameer at point. Right. Okay. You've got Barton. Obviously, he's going to be the main piece of the bench for scoring yep. purposes. He's your main scorer off the bench. Okay. You've got Plumley, who you just paid a bajillion dollars to. Mm-hmm. He's not going to stand around. He's going to play. Like, So you've got Plumley off the bench, and then you've got a power forward spot. Right. And you've got Chandler, who can play it. You've got Wancho, who can play it. Yep. Um, You've got... Yeah, and if you don't play Wancho at the four, you've got to play him at the three, which is still a bench spot, which right. is still a ten-man rotation. Right. Like, and you've got Trey Wiles, who you're bragging about now. You know, you've got Darrell Arthur, but I don't know what's going on with him. But you know, that's guy goes. We haven't talked about him. He's not going to play. Like right. Darrell Arthur's just going to sit there and wave a towel for 82 games, and even even in a ten-man rotation, he's going to do that. Yeah. And and Trey Wiles might as well. So it's. There's at least ten guys who are going to see the floor. I, I don't see a way to make a nine-man rotation. Yeah, I do. Exactly. I do. Uh, here's here's the thing: a nine-man rotation would have to have Wancho at it as as the ninth person because you you mentioned the other eight guys right. two two point yes. guards Harris Barton Chandler Millsap Jokic Plumley as the other eight guys. The ninth guy needs to be a hybrid three-four because Barton's kind of a hybrid two-three yep. type. Yep. So. Who who is yep. the only player on this roster who really fits that off of the bench? It's Wancho. It's got to be Wancho. Oh, yeah, I, I agree with you. And, the only, and the Wancho, only way you get a he, nine man he, is if he plays and Wiles doesn't play. Um, then then it's then you can have nine. 
but it means that Lyles doesn't play, Arthur doesn't play, and Fareed doesn't play. Well, That's here's, a nine-man rotation. Here's what I think is going to happen. I think that they're going to start with a ten-man rotation. I think that they're going to start with Wacho yeah. as the backup small forward and Lyles as the backup power forward. And if that works, awesome. If it doesn't work and Wancho shows that he needs more time, like or it can work, but Wancho still shows he needs more time and Lyles doesn't necessarily prove it, then maybe they start moving towards a nine-man rotation as the season goes along. Uh, that's the only way I think it can really be, uh, it can really be workable because Farid and Plumlee, like we've already seen, that combination is just not going to work. So unless you're doing some mean staggering, like that's that's just kind of how it is with Farid. Right. Yeah, I, 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 well, I, tend, I, I said, I tend to agree. I mean, I, I think, I think you bring up a really good point there, um, Ryan, is that they might start out with a ten-man rotation. I would think if they do that, I think they'll. Pro- I almost think they would have to play Fareed as that backup power forward over Lyles just to try and keep his trade value afloat. Um, because if you if you bench him and yep. not only is he gonna probably I mean like we just said he doesn't have a filter so it, he's probably gonna voice his frustration um, and also it's gonna make it no everybody's gonna be wondering well, why is this guy not getting any minutes you know why is why is a guy like Trey Lyles or why is this this second year Wancho Hernan Gomez guy playing over a guy like Kenneth Reed okay. so here's 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 the problem I have with that is that the first ten games of this season or like the first nine I think the tenth game is against Golden State the first nine games are cake like the toughest team on that list is Washington and they don't really play any tough teams other than that like they play a bunch of cupcake games against the East and that's the time where they really need to get those wins and go six or six and three They've or seven and two like it has to come out strong and I don't know if you can mess around with playing combinations that you don't think are going to work from the get go. Like Farid and Plumlee, like I, I think you, you just kind of have to bite the bullet here and play the best combinations that you can. That is an interesting. That is an interesting idea. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I like I said, I don't necessarily disagree. I just I'm I'm fascinated by it. I, I mean, question we're, we're, for you. Yeah, go question. ahead. Would you stretch Farid? Um, no. I think I I I honestly think you could probably get someone to take. Yeah, they they could stretch him. I'm pretty sure. Um, Check yeah. me on that, Ryan. But uh, because my concern is they've been trying to trade. Well, I don't know about trying. I don't know how hard they've been trying. I, but he has been. He has been available can. for three years. I I thought. Oh yeah, no. I, I, that's what I'm saying. I don't think I don't they can think trade him for can. anything that's not a like a. Yeah, like a fifty, like maybe a fifty-something round, second rounder, like that. That's what you're talking about to get Fareed to go or somebody else's bad contract that you still don't want for a guy who's not going to play. Like I and they're not trying to hit the salary floor this year, so there's no reason for them to do that. Um, this is one of those one of those questions where if you couldn't trade Fareed at two years ago at the deadline, and you couldn't trade Fareed last off season, and you couldn't trade Fareed last year at the deadline, and you could didn't trade Fareed this summer, why are you going to be able to trade Fareed now? And uh, there's there does not appear to be the market that his name would suggest, and I don't know how long you can keep him on the roster with the trade that you've made for all of these power forwards. Um, yeah, not not I mean, to mention the fact that yeah. Wancho's a better fit. There are some unfortunate circumstances there, like like just emotionally, like with, with player emotions, and you can't necessarily play with those. I think that Fareed's expiring contract at the end of next season, uh, like not this coming season, but the following season, I think that that actually provides some value for teams because – 
of the way that we just saw the salary cap information come out, there's going to be no real growth in the salary cap over the next two years. Like I think the the final right. number for the next the, for uh, the second years it's 108 million. So like right. so if, you a, can, if you can if you can free up million growth 13 million or yeah yeah okay fine. Uh, not like the the massive growth that we've been used to at this point. Right right. Uh, so if you can get I think Fareed's contract at that point is around 13 million. So if you can get a 13 million expiring contract. That has some value. That that could be worth a second round pick or maybe even a low first round pick at that point, in my opinion. Unfortunately, yeah, I just I just don't think that that's going to happen because of uh, player emotion reasons. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I think it's going to be tough. <laughs> it's going to be tough to hold on to Fareed and basically sit him on the bench for an entire year uh, without that causing right. some problems. No, that's not going to work. All and right, it shouldn't. Well, I mean, honestly, for Fareed, it should not work. Fareed should not be happy yeah, no, with that. No, Fareed, you know? is a, Fareed can play. Fareed is a rotation. I won't say he's necessarily yeah. a starter like he is, but he's certainly a guy who deserves minutes in the NBA. There's no doubt about that. Um, he's not. He is not a bench, a guy who just sits at the end of your bench and doesn't play. That's for sure. He can definitely bring value to your team, like we've said. like As, as we've already said a million times, it's just not, maybe not necessarily with the Nuggets. All right, uh, let's, let's get into the last part about Media Day. Um which was, or not the last part, but the last part I wanted to talk about, which was the, the both Tim Connolly and uh, Michael Malone were given an opportunity in their press conference to basically say, you know, they were asked kind of what was the goal for the season, and both of them danced around it. In fact, uh, Coach Malone pretty much outright said he would not say that the playoffs are the goal, that they just wanted to improve, that they wanted to get better, and if that ended up them being in the playoffs, great. Weak. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I was, yeah, was say I, I I thought that was an interesting comment um, because eh, it's look man if if you just bring on Paul Millsap and you were what one one game two games away from making the playoffs last year you've added Paul Millsap uh, you've got now Jamal Murray is a fully healthy you not tinker around trying to figure out what you're doing with a Jokic Nurkic thing like. There's no really no excuse. Gary Harris is healthy, right? Yeah. It's, it's the only excuse you can try and make, which they kind of alluded to, um, and I alluded to in a roundtable, was that you know the West is really good. The West has got a lot better. Um, but look, man, if if you're not making the playoffs this year, like it, it's like I I said, there's a scenario I could see where it's not necessarily failure, but I also think that scenario is very unlikely, which is that the Nuggets somehow win in the upper 40s and still miss out on the playoffs. That's got to mean no, the a way, lot. Of, the way it's... a lot of things got to go right for another team. So, Gordon, what, what, I mean, what do you think? Is this should playoffs be the goal, and is it unacceptable if they don't make it? The playoffs are absolutely the goal. If they if the playoffs are not the goal, they're doing it wrong. Like we're not here for the family experience. <laughs> I'm not here for the amazing atmosphere at the Pepsi Center. Like, come on. Like, the the goal is the playoffs. You didn't go sign Paul Millsap to go win 41 games. Right. Like, we can do that without Paul Millsap. I can do that with Kenneth Fareed. Like, right. we I, we don't need that. So my thing, the only reason, the only way that this year um, is a good, it, that there's an excuse for missing the playoffs is if something happens to Jokic. Like, if, right. if something happens to, you know, Jokic and or Millsap, like a, a Nene situation from when he, you know, ripped his Achilles the first game of the year. Like, you yeah. know, okay, I got you. I can understand why there's an issue. Um, although you'll notice that those Nuggets still made the playoffs, even yeah. without Nene. Well, they had um, Carmelo Anthony, so it... I understand that. I'm just saying that you can have you can lose a good player and still make it work, and you, that's what depth is for. 
Um, right. So for me, I don't have a lot of excuses with this team. Like, you better make this work. You're the guys that didn't add a, a point guard. You like what you got. You know, you you uh, didn't make any of the other major trades you tried to make this offseason. You know, so this is the team you ran out with, and this team has plenty of talent. This team had better make the playoffs. I don't – this whole we're just trying to get better is just an excuse from last year when they said the goal was the playoffs, and then they didn't make it because they, they fell on their own sword on that one. Right. Like that's right. that's a – this is a defense mechanism, and I don't – I'm not cool with it. Like this is – you to set goals for your year, your goal had better be the playoffs, and I don't care how hard the division is. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't, like I said, I don't necessarily disagree. Um, Ryan, what about you? Would you, would you say that the playoffs have to be the goal? Yeah. With all due respect, those comments were out of crap. That's, that is end of story. <laughs> that's, that's like, how, how can you go about the last six months of time? Like, or I'll, I'll go eight months because of the way that they, the way that they went about the Nurkic and Plumley trade, they gave up a first round pick for a guy who could help them get to the playoffs. They traded a lottery pick and moved down because they could acquire a Trey Lyles who they thought could help contribute to that. And they went out and signed Paul Millsap who they thought could, uh, who they thought could help them get to these playoffs. And, as you guys said, they they neglected a trade for a point guard because they believe in Jamal Murray, and so they they better freaking believe in Jamal Murray. And like to me, that starts with starting Jamal Murray. But don't that's a that's a conversation for a different time, <laughs> right? That is uh, let's let's uh, kind of let's we'll segue right into that conversation. How about that? Uh, we'll, well, let's step away from media day. Let's get into training camp. So the top buzz coming out of Boulder. Um, by far, is that apparently Emmanuel Moutier looks great. That he is, uh, I believe the words have been said that he's the best player on the court or has been the best player on the court. Um, he's also in the best shape of his life. Don't forget, also, best shape of his yeah, life. Everybody's in the best shape of their life. Yeah, I hear he lost 15 pounds. He's he's looking yeah. good. He's, he's fast. He's shooting the ball well. Finishing at the rim. Yeah, so... When you're being defended by uh, ghosts, it's pretty easy. <laughs> so... So here's the th- it's funny. So somebody, somebody, uh, they obviously read the roundtable and then they, they they commented on Twitter and they said, "Hey, why aren't you guys reading the tea leaves? It's obviously going to be Moutier because uh, one of our roundtable questions was, of course, who do you think is going to start at point guard?" Uh, right. And, and my response to the guy was, "I was like, it's day two of training camp. I don't think coach is going to say anything negative about anyone. So I'm probably not reading too much into what he's saying positively about things. Like obviously, uh, he I I don't dis." or discount the idea that he's been pleased with what he's seen from Moutier so far. But here's the thing. He's not going to come out and say, yeah, you know, Moutier was all right. Yeah, I guess he looked, he looked like Emmanuel Moutier. Like when, when he gets presented with that question, how's Moutier looking? Obviously he's going to try and talk the guy up because the guy has been through some rough patches. He's a young kid still, and you still want him to be a big part of your team. You're not going to throw him under the bus on day one, you're going to do the exact yeah. opposite. You're going to try and pump him up as much as possible. So I, I'm i not saying – look, I, I, I've been one of the people who's always had a really high hopes for Emmanuel. I think he's a great kid. Uh, he has – interestingly, this year he was not available at Moody at Media Day. Moody Day. <laughs> Media Day. Um, 
But but which I thought was interesting because Emmanuel has never been a guy to shy away from a tough conversation after a loss. He's always one of the guys willing to talk about it. It's one of his most impressive qualities. He right. He really does just step up and say, "Yeah, bring it. I got questions. Let's go." Right. Exactly. So like I I appreciate Moody a lot. Um, I, I I'm rooting for him and I want him to succeed. I've seen him play for two years and he hasn't got much better than the way he was looking than the way he looked in summer league that first year. So I. I am hesitant to suddenly believe that he is a, a fully changed player. I hope he is. I don't. I don't necessarily believe it's for real yet. I'll, I'm going to reserve my judgment at least till we start seeing some games. Um, Ryan, what about you? Do you are you bu- buying into this this Moutier hype that's going on right now? Uh, he he may have grown as a player. I will I will say that he may have gotten better. I have not seen him play in a game yet, and I will reserve my judgments until I do. Here's here's the thing. This is almost identical, almost identical to the Jokic-Nurkic situation in last training camp. And they made accommodations for Yusuf Nurkic because he was looking good out of training camp, and they made him a starter. And then they went against the better judgment that they had throughout the last season and seeing that Jokic was the better player and they tried to build up Nurkic, and they, they went against everything that they had seen. And I'm, I'm going to give myself a little pat on the back here because, among other people, I was one of the people who was pushing Jokic as a star player after his rookie season and only, like, 20 minutes per game. Like, there are a lot of smart people out there who saw Jokic as the franchise centerpiece. And the Nuggets went away from that for whatever reason. I still do not know why it took so long for them to figure that out. This cannot happen again. You have a guy in Jamal Murray who looks awesome. Everybody says it. Everybody is raving about his confidence. Everybody's raving about his ability, his hardworking nature, and just his overall demeanor and ability on next to Jokic to potentially be a star of the future. We have not seen that from Moutier yet. Like, we have seen, like, the bare minimum of flashes to keep him on the roster at this point. This cannot turn into a Nurkic-Jokic situation, and if they don't start Murray, I'm going to be really disappointed. Yeah. Well, that's a really good point, yeah. I um, I just find it interesting the way that people talk about both players. Um, like, Will Barton had his interview um, at Media Day. Or, no, I guess I think it was at training camp. Um, so it wasn't at media day. It was after they had practiced and Adam was like, so what's going on with the point guards? And, uh, Barton essentially said, uh, Jameer knows how to play the game. He's a vet. And, you know, Moutier likes to get out in transition and make things happen. Uh, Jamal is ultra competitive and a big shot maker and he makes plays with ball in his hands and he just brings a lot of energy. Like that was basically, he's like, those are the two guys like one guy knows what he's doing, one guy is good in specific situations, and one guy is a baller. Right. And right. you don't bench the baller to help out the guy who's been here longer. This is not a seniority contest. Like you have to play Murray. Yes. Right. You you have to play Murray. Yes. Uh, you cannot. You I mean you could bench Murray, I suppose, if he was utterly illiterate as being a point guard. Um, but he didn't show that last year. And so I, there's things he doesn't do right, but when they put him in the in the games at the end of the season, and you got to see him just be full point at the end of the year, like, he blew up. He was playing amazing ball at the end of the year. 
Right. Um, while injured, while desperately in need of surgery. And going up against Russell Westbrook. You know, twice. I going up and James Harden and mm-hmm. other guys. Like, Absolutely. come on, there's uh, you. You could put Moutier out there, I suppose, but like you said, I think your your Nurkic Jokic comparison is apt. Would Murray go to the bench? Murray would absolutely go to the bench, like Jokic did. Is yep. it best for the team? No, it is not best for the team. He would do what the team told him is best for the team, but I don't think that's what's best. And so, yes, I, I'm glad that Moutier has come in like it's going to be a competition, and I hope Moutier does everything he can to make it a competition. And if Moutier wins the job because he's just that improved – I would. That would be amazing. That would be great. I would love to see that. I would. Yeah. Oh yeah. Crow, if that happened. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I every day. If that does happen, then perfectly fine. And you want more talented players than less talented players on your team. Don't get me wrong. But like, this is what we've seen so far. This is what we know. And until we have seen something that we don't know out of Moutier then I'm going to continue to treat him how he has been so far. I'm not going to just say that, hey, you have potential just because you're big and you're athletic. Right. Yeah, and and, and that's the thing about Moutier um, that I think all, that we're all kind of touched on is it's, uh, it's, not, it's not like it's his second season where you could say, well, you know, last year was his rookie year and he really kind of just struggled. He was 19. He was just getting into the league. Like, you know, we, we've seen it for two seasons straight and there really was very little improvement from year one to year two. So, I mean, like we've all said, it'll be great if it works out, but there – there's plenty of reason to be skeptical because we haven't seen anything else um, throughout the entirety of his career. And all we have to go off of right now is what the coach is saying after practice. So I like I said, I mean, like I'm pulling for him. I hope he's great. I hope, I hope he does well. I, I hope I got like, yes, I hope he beats Murray. I hope he, I hope he flat out just beats out Murray. Not that Murray, um, isn't looking that great or anything like that. I hope he just flats out, flat out beats him because he's he's looking better than Murray looks, and Murray looks good too. Because that would be phenomenal for this team. I hope more than anything that he can beat out Jameer Nelson um, for the backup point guard position. Because yes. if, if he can't beat out Jameer Nelson for the backup point guard position, then then this is pretty much uh, I think the writing's pretty much on the wall at that point. It's it's um, the end of the road so, at that point. Right, right, and maybe not for his NBA career, but certainly I would think but for here. the Nuggets. Uh, right, you're right. At that point, you you kind of move on and say, "All right, we're gonna we're gonna get what we can for this guy, and um, and we're just gonna go with Jamal as our guy of the future." Uh, it'll be interesting to see. I, it's one of the things that I think makes tomorrow's game really, uh, or I guess I should say today's game. By the time this posts, um, it makes it really interesting. When we're like I said, we're gonna get into that after the break. But I wanna I wanna stick here on training camp um, for for a bit bit more. The next, I think the next player who's probably been talked up the most is, is probably Trey Lyles. Uh, we, we've seen that Trey um, has been getting some run with the second unit from what we've been able to see on the clips uh, that the Nuggets are putting out of practice. It looks like it looks like they've got Trey Lyles, Mason Plumley, um, Wancho, Hernan Gomez, Will Barton, and then actually Jamal Murray uh, was the guy we saw in that unit as well kind of running that that second unit which is interesting to see but there's been a lot of talk of course about how Trey looks good and 
Man, I want to believe that one a lot because a I was real high on Trey Lyles um, coming out of the draft, just just like the Nuggets were. Uh, oddly enough, I thought I, I think Lyles gives you a lot of versatility because I think he can play both in the post um, and also stretch it out to the three point line. At least that's what it looked like his rookie season last year. He obviously struggled pretty bad shooting the the, the basketball. Um, but I'm I'm big I'm big on Trey Lyles. I think he could be a decent defender. I, I think he could be a great uh... right. We haven't seen it yet, but we haven't seen that. <laughs> That's why I said I said oh my decent God. defender. I didn't I didn't say great defender. Um, but the point being, I think he offers a lot of versatility. He's a guy with I think he's got a pretty high ceiling. Um, I'm pulling for him. Another Look, guy I really want to be good. But it sounds like Gordon, you uh, you don't necessarily believe in the Trey Lyles train. I I my problem with Trey Lyles and my problem since the the abortive night on draft night when what was supposed to happen didn't happen and what did happen was not good. Um, I don't understand how Trey Wiles is better than Juancho Hernan Gomez at anything. Yeah. At yeah. anything. He, I don't think he's better on defense. I don't think he's a better rebounder. I don't definitely don't think he's a better shot maker. I don't think he's better at going to the basket. I don't think they're better. He's a better ball handler. And I think Wancho's a terrible ball handler. So <laughs> what, like, what is it that he couldn't shoot last year? He shot last year like he was blindfolded, you know, and partially drunk. Like, I don't – from every distance. <laughs> like, I, I'm not really sure. Like, he was Can I argue he, that he for a woken up. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. So I have it right here. Last year in his worst shooting season, like, he shot terribly throughout every place. The one place where he shot really well was on corner threes. He was at 36%. Like, even as poor as he was. Okay, so does everybody. And the year before, he was at 44%. Again, everybody shoots the corner three well. That's like being like, well, but from the free of, throw line, okay, uh, who cares? But think about in this offense. Think about how the bench offense but is why going is to he better? why is he better than Wancho? Like, He's not, but if you're playing a 10-man rotation, at? if you're playing a 10-man rotation, then Wancho should be on the wing and Lyle should be in the corner. And that's that is basically the only hope. But you're basically hoping that what you're getting is two wanchos. And the question is, can two wanchos play defense together? Um, well, I don't think I, so. I, but I if it's a bench unit, I guess it doesn't matter. I'm a little bit higher on Trey Lyles' creation of offense than I am of Wancho. Like I think that Wancho is a smart okay. player, and he knows how to catch and fire. He knows when the right time is to take two dribbles right to the rim, and he also knows when to cut. Trey Lyles is somebody who I think they could see replacing Millsap in the future more than I think that they could see Wancho replacing Millsap right. in the future. Just because Lyles well, has, he has, a, okay. he has a base skill set there. Yeah, right. but I, he has a base skill set there that has never been used in the NBA in that fashion. That, and like, that is true. <laughs> like, I mean, you're telling me that, you know, a guy who in college played out of position and was given credit for playing out of position – is now going to like use the skill set that he barely used in college to replace Paul Millsap. And it's possible. Again, he's another guy that came in in the quote-unquote best shape of his life, and he, he does look good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would love for Trey Wiles to work out. Like, if you have baby Millsap, that is a good Millsap to have. Like, that is totally fine. I would absolutely accept that. But I'm going to need way more from Trey Wiles than we've already gotten for that. So the fact that they're, they're talking him up is great. Like, feel free to talk him up, and I'm I'm glad he's getting playing time, and I'm glad he doesn't look like a bum. 
Like, trust me, I would much rather hear this than like, well, Trey was okay. Like, I think... I don't, this is a, this is better, but I don't see when we're talking about scrapping for, for power forward minutes. Um, I don't see how Lyles is anything more than the 10th man on this roster. And that's all. Fine. About. Fine. I totally understand. Right. Especially yeah. this year. Like that's, that's how it's going to look. Right. 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 Yeah. I, t- I, I would agree with that too. I think he is basically 10, 10th or 9th, whoever you want. Wancho could be 10th and Lyles could be 9th and Lyles could be 10th. Wancho could be 9th, whatever. Um, but but again, because of the lack of versatility, like we talked about earlier, I do think that, that he, it's going to take a ten man rotation to get him in there. Just because if you're going nine, you like like Ryan and, and Glenn mentioned, you need that you need that forward to be able to switch from three and four, and Lyles really can't do that. What, what I also thought was interesting is that it was that you were bringing up uh, Gordon, which is a great point. Is that um, I. I, I I've seen it. It's just funny. I watched a lot of Kentucky basketball that year. <laughs> but uh, Lyles, Lyles can. I mean, he had a good post game in college. He really did, and he was coming off the bench because I think it was what it was. Carl Anthony Towns, um, and what, Willie Cauley Stein would have been the other guy. Yeah, yeah Willie Cauley Stein was the other guy. Yeah, right. So those were those were the two guys. So Lyles would come off the bench, and then sometimes he would be in there with those guys and playing the three, which is really awkward, right. which, which he can't do in the NBA. But he, you know, so he would get the benefit, and and maybe that's just what it is. He'd get the benefit of oftentimes getting maybe the the, the reserve guys, the, the bench unit players of the opposition, and he would be able to take those guys in the post all day long. We for whatever reason, he just it's just not how Utah used him um, in 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 Utah, and, and it could possibly. I do think Utah misused him. Yeah, yeah right, I agree absolutely. Right, and so, but I don't, I don't know if it was if they just totally misused him because they're incompetent, which I, I tend to think is probably not the case, or if they they didn't use him uh, in the post because they didn't really feel like he could do it at an NBA level, which I think might be um, might be a little bit different. There, there, there's a lot of it. There's a lot uh, different from taking on the backup power forward uh, at South Carolina. Here's no a, offense, Ryan. Yeah, uh, versus. Oh. Hey, Final Four, <laughs> baby. Final Four. <laughs> yeah, Final Four. That's correct. <laughs> right. Uh, well, here's, Go ahead, here's the thing. Here's the thing with Trey. Uh, he only had 29 possessions that he completed as a post player last year. Like, it's 29 scoring possessions. And he right. played 71 games. That means he's only getting one possession basically every three games. And to me, that there's no rhythm that you can really establish there. And... It, again, going into being misused, like I, I see him kind of as a, a pick and pop guy potentially, as somebody who could potentially yep. spot yeah. from the corner. And then once he gets switches, like if he if he has a smaller guy like like he did in college, then you can hit him in the post and see if he can make right. some plays right. on his own. That that to me is I just, the ceiling. I, if he had if he had made any shots last year, like <laughs> I would feel better. I know other than the quarter three. Sorry, no, hey, hey, other than the wrong. quarter three. Don't if he wrong, had made he was... a single shot that wasn't a quarter three. He was in the seventh percentile as a post-up scorer. Yes, that's what I mean. Is they gave him the ball, and he was like, "What the hell is this thing for?" Wow. Like, uh, it's it's really a struggle for me with with Lyles because he was just so damn bad. Yeah. Um, and so spent, I understand why you gave up time. on him. He spent most of his time with Boris Diaw or Rudy Gobert, though. So Boris Diaw was going to have the ball in his hands, and Rudy Gobert was kind of clogging yes. the lane. So to be fair. Put it with a grain of salt. And it may just be a bad fit. If you if you have yeah. Mason Plumley with him, then maybe there are some similar issues as a post up player. But Mason Plumley is also a good passer, like a like a Boris Diaw, and they're not going to slow down and bog down the game. 
Like that's just what Utah was. They they're a very slow team. They right. play with a slow pace of play, and that's just who they are. And I would love I love that he came in fit. That's the one thing that makes me really happy is that he came in fit, and he also understands altitude because he played in Utah. Right. So yeah. uh, both of those things are awesome because he knows how to condition for altitude. Um, and so I'm hoping that he can get with the running game. Paul Millsap was saying that today, I think it was, that they asked him how similar this offense was to Atlanta, and he said nothing. He right. said this is basically right. not at all like Atlanta, and you guys are running your asses off on this West Coast offense thing. He's like, it's fun. I like it. It's open floor and transition. He's like, but it's nothing that I've ever done before, so I need to figure this out and get in shape for it. But Wiles doesn't, isn't familiar with the offensive style because Utah, you know, tortoises it up the court. But he is familiar with the fact that you've got you've to gotta have good condition to play at altitude. And so if he's ready to go out of the gate and you can just switch um, Wancho and Wiles between the three and the four on the bench as you see fit, and they can just play off of each other and just swap roles uh, each time down the court if they want to get the right matchup, it makes it more interesting because you're playing basically two of the same kind of player in theory. And I'm, I'm curious to see how that goes. I would, I'm glad he's doing well. And I'm very curious to see how he plays it in the in the preseason because uh, I haven't seen him play well in a, quite a while. So this should, should be fun. <laughs> Let me ask you this, Gordon, because you touched on it there. Uh, how concerned are you about Paul Millsap being able to integrate himself in this new offense? Uh, I'm not concerned. Like it's uh, Paul Millsap is a really really smart player, right? Um, and he's also he's always been very physically fit. He's not you know some guy that it's not. Um, uh, any any like lumbering Hulk on the on the court who doesn't isn't able to get his feet up and down, like yeah. Millsap is Millsap is an athletic guy. Like he used to play football, basketball was his second sport. Like it, it, I I don't see any problem with him understanding how to get out and run in the court or how to throw the ball ahead rather than just taking a slow pace. I think he'll have a lot of fun like uh, Jokic does. You know, pa- throwing those three quarter court basketball passes to guys who are streaking down after the the rebounds gotten um uh, my only concern with him has always been uh how well how quickly not how well because i expect it to go well but how quickly he and Jokic can get some um understanding between them because he played with horford who was also a passing center but horford and Jokic do not play the same way like they they have different styles of of playing similar basketball right i mean let, let's be honest <laughs> Playing with Nikola Jokic is probably pretty unique uh, to the entire NBA. I don't yes. know of another player who's going to do things quite like like Jokic does it, um, which is what makes him so good. Ryan, what about you? Any concerns about Paul Millsap getting integrated into this offense? Uh, the only thing, the only thing I definitely think is is for him to try and do too much initially. Uh, that yeah. I could I could see that being yeah. an issue. Uh, let's let's say they're looking for a guy in crunch time, and Millsap feels like he needs to be the guy to step up and not just necessarily run the offense. Now that may not necessarily be a bad thing because he was a pretty good crunch time scorer last year. However, I don't think that's necessarily the way that you want to run the team. You want to run this through Jokic. Right. You want Millsap to be a guy. You don't necessarily want him to be like the guy. So. We'll we'll right. see how long that takes, and I, I think that Millsap's going to get adjusted to it just fine. He's already making an impact defensively. Like re- reports coming out of training camp are that he's he's starting to pick things up. Like this was his best practice so far, and could that just be coach's talk? Sure, but I don't necessarily think. 
there, there's no reason for me to doubt that this was his best practice because it was his third practice or his fourth practice or his fifth practice. And the more you play with Jokic and the right. more you play at altitude, the better you're going to get. Yeah. Now, my only thing, my only thing with Millsap, my my one concern, not really a concern, but it's, um, uh, the, I think he saw a lot, a lot of, yeah, yeah. Well, I saw a lot of drop off between Teague and um, Schroeder last year in the way that they were able to work with Millsap doing things like the pick and roll, doing what you're supposed to do on the court because he expected a certain kind of play, and Teague was a more intelligent player in the aspects that. Um, Millsap was looking for than Schroeder, and Schroeder was more of a freelancer uh, from what I watched of, uh, of Atlanta, and I didn't watch a ton of them, but it just seemed to me that they didn't seem, they didn't have that connection and he may struggle with two night, like if it's, if the point guards really are going to be Moutier and Murray in whichever order, uh, he may struggle with you know, getting a 20 and a 21 year old point guard to understand the nuances of no, no, you come around the pick and roll like this, and you do this, and I need you to pass here and step this way your footwork's important. Like right. It, right. Millsap may be expecting too much from the young ball handlers, um, but I honestly I think that's a good thing because it requires the ball handlers to up their game. Um, but it, it, that may that may be a struggle. That particular part of the Nuggets' offense may be a struggle for a bit as he tries to figure out how to work with those guys. I think what uh, we but that was a struggle I, last year. So. I think what we saw a lot with Gallinari was that he, he kind of had some of the same issues with some of the young guys, but what it turned into was more yeah. frustration. With Millsap, right. what you're hoping it turns into is he's going to then build them up as opposed to just getting frustrated with them. And I think it's very clear after the fact that Danilo Gallinari was very against playing with Emmanuel Moutier pretty much all the time. And for those reasons, like he, he <laughs> couldn't, like Moutier could not play with Gallinari. Like there were, there are a lot of chemistry issues there and Gallinari could not get the ball in his correct spots with Millsap. You're hoping that he's a little bit more constructive. He's been in this league for a lot longer than Gallinari has, and he understands how to win at a high level, which is something that Gallinari just hasn't done yet. So hopefully things go a little bit better this time around. I think that they will just because Millsap's a baller on the defensive end too. That's right. true. Yep. Well, and the other thing you hope too is obviously maybe these, these that these reports about Emmanuel Moutier are true, and that he is much improved, and then hopefully that'll help. Um, help and that as well. this will be a good point. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And we've just wasted fifteen minutes. No, uh, <laughs> I'm with you guys. I um, I tend to think he'll be fine because he's he's a vet. He's he's a very smart basketball player. Um, and, and I think he will figure this out. It might be a little bit rocky at first, but here's the thing. We're not bringing Paul Millsap in really to be to help us with the offense a ton. Um, as you guys have mentioned, it's really all about the defense with him and him being the quarterback of that defense. Um, and that's where his impact is going to be felt the most. I so, cannot wait to see that. That's going to be amazing. Yeah, we hope. It better be. We, yeah, so we hope. Otherwise, <laughs> even if, otherwise even it's, if it's not hopeless. terrible. Not terrible is a truly amazing improvement over what we had last year. <laughs> no, I, I think, I think no, it's going to be a top up. twenty defense. I, I have confidence that if, oh. if the right players play, <laughs> you have to. Well, first oh. of all, you have to make sure that the right players play. And I know that metrics favor Gallinari as a defender over to Wilson Chandler, but can we please agree that Wilson Chandler can at least be a better man-to-man defender than Gallinari was? Oh, absolutely. Um, absolutely. I think Wilson, uh, you know, I, I asked Wilson about this on media day. I, I, you know, I brought up how last year he had locked up Jimmy Butler and Giannis Antetokounmpo and back up games. And I said, do you feel like you can be that guy? And it was kind of an interesting, 
um, answer is that he said, you know, he said, well, when 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 the game calls for it, or when the game plan calls for it, and that's what the team needs me to do, then yeah, I'm going to do that. And then he also said, but listen, I got. He, he kind of alluded. He was like, I, I kind of that he got a little bit lucky there as well. He said, you're not going to lock those guys up every night. I mean, they're this is the NBA. But they, that's these, the uh, these guys sometimes. That's the mark them. of a smart defensive player. Like these guys understand that they're not going to hold everybody to three for twenty every game. Like. They understand that these like right. these are professionals, and especially guys like Giannis and Jimmy Butler and LeBron James, who Wilson Chandler defended all extremely well, that these guys are right. going to get most of their stuff. And when you look at LeBron James's stat line at the end of that Cleveland Cavaliers game, like it was like it was fine. Like he he was very efficient. He he passed the ball pretty well, and but it just felt the way that it felt, the way that Wilson Chandler put pressure on him that gave the Nuggets such an advantage. And I think that that, like the presence of Millsap and as somebody who can help back him up. and Millsap and Chandler next to each other is going to be great. Like that's so much, that's so helpful for a guy. And Gary Rather Harris than putting too. Wilson on island and being like, Wilson, right. you're, own, you're our only defender, you know, Wilson, good luck. Now you're like, look, if you if he gets by you, I still have Millsap back there. Just give it a second. Absolutely. Yep. And, and you know, Gary Harris is, is another great guy to learn from Millsap and know and trust that Millsap is going to be in the right place every single time. Harris can get right. him into his man. And there are a lot of plays last year where Harris just kind of slacked off because he didn't have any confidence that the the defense was going to be there behind him. And for a number of reasons, but one of them being that Jokic just isn't a great backline defender. Uh, Millsap is. Millsap is one of the best. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. I, uh, I'm not going to argue with there and there, but uh, what I am going to do is make us move on because I remember when Ryan said, hey, let's try and keep this one around 45 minutes. Well, we're 55 minutes right now, and we haven't even <laughs> So, so we're on time for us. It Perfect. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, we're actually. I, I want to get into it. I do because since, since this thing is going to be coming out right before the game, so that's what we're going to do. We're, I'm going to go ahead and we're going to hit a break here. Uh, looks like we'll probably end up going a little long in this pod. That's fine, whatever. It's the first one since now that we're back on full time. So um, let's hit a break and then we'll be right back to talk about the upcoming game tonight between the Warriors and the Nuggets. been there when the budget's the tightest or a time is the shortest that's when disaster strikes the last thing anyone wants to deal with in these times is an electrical issue in their home or business maybe your light suddenly won't turn on or maybe a home inspector wants that electrical service changed before you can close out on a property you're selling heck maybe it's not even an emergency at all and you're just looking to finish out your basement or get some power ran to that new ac unit whatever your need may be give sun electrical a call They're a family-owned and operated business that serves the front range, and you can be assured that you'll not only get the highest quality service, but you'll also get the most affordable price as well. Mike, the owner of Sun Electrical, will come to your home or business personally to evaluate your situation and provide a free estimate, and he stands by the work Sun performs as a fully licensed and insured electrical contractor. So give him a call, 719-659-6888. Don't be fooled by the phone number as they'll serve the entire front range from Colorado Springs to Fort Collins and everywhere in between. That's 719-659-6888. 719-659-6888. 
659-6888. Sun Electrical, the home of truly affordable electrical work. here i want to tell you about one of my favorite artists from right here in denver colorado and that's porter Lori. you're listening to his single escape my skin right now and if you're liking what you're hearing his album hell or high water is available on itunes also you can check out his website porterlory.format.com that's p-o-r-t-e-r-l-o-r-i dot format dot com Give them a listen. I broke out of every place that tried to keep me in, but I can't escape my can't escape my skin. Everybody, welcome back into the Pickaxe Podcast. Uh, I'm Zach Mikosh. We are here with Gordon Gross and Ryan Blackburn. We've spent over an hour, or nearly an hour already, uh, talking about media day and training camp. So we want to get into our final segment here, which is uh, let's talk about this game tonight, the Warriors and the Nuggets. Uh, first preseason game. Gordon, do what, what? What? What should we take out of the rotation? Should we? Should we take it as like, hey, this is, looks like it's what what coach is going to go with, or do you think it's going to be more experimentation? Uh, Wancho and Jameer are out, so no, I don't think it's going to be valid. <laughs> um, <laughs> like I, honestly, like if you wanted to know who the comp- who what the competition is, they're competing at two of the spots that are open. So. Right. No, you, you can read some things into it, I suppose, if you wanted, but <clears throat> he himself has said that he just wants the, the starting rotation or the starting lineup locked up for maybe the last three or so preseason games. Right. So up until then, he's playing around, um, and he wants to see some footage with some guys together. He's going to want to run some plays with some guys together. You know, it, it's all a test environment, so I don't. all I take out of it is that I expect to see rotation players playing together uh, just maybe not with the rotation that they're actually going to be in for starter or bench. Right. Yeah, I I, I agree with that. I think um, if the, if I was trying to glean the most things out of the rotation off of this game, uh, it would be it would just be basically the different little combinations that he's going to be experimenting with, um, and then obviously how they perform. I think I think I wouldn't look too much at the choices coach makes. Um, right. with who he pairs up, I would, but, but I would pay more attention to how those pair ups or how those combinations do, because I think that will be the first, the obviously guiding factor into how he ends up coming into a, uh, a rotation. Ryan, what about you? Is there anything specifically in the rotation you're looking for? Or you think we can glean off of on this game? Uh, 
I mean, not really. It's it's going to be interesting to see who plays well and who he starts with at point guard to begin. Uh, obviously, he hasn't made that public yet what he's going to do, and he probably won't make it public until the guys step out on the court, honestly. About two hours before the game. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, so we'll, we'll just have to see how that goes. I'm, I'm interested to see how whoever starts out on the court at point guard, how many minutes they play. What kind of rotation does that look like? Is it going to be like a 28 minutes for one guy, 20 minutes for the other guy? Is it going to be more even, like a 24-24 type situation? Uh, it'll be interesting to see how those guys kind of mesh together. And uh, if Wancho is in fact out, then I guess we'll see some Tory Craig. Tory Craig. Tory Craig, yes. Doing the, doing All the hail sh- Tory Craig. Dude, Tory Craig, man, I... I... I mean, everybody's been so high on him on our comment board. He's kind of becoming this cult classic or this cult favorite, uh, which is crazy. <laughs> Tory Craig! Because I went... Yeah, yeah exactly. The, the the cries for Tory Craig are loud on, in the comment board. But uh, I, I got a chance to talk to him at Media Day, and he was great, man. He was he was the best interview at Media Day, talking about the Shoei and the uh, the kangaroo fight. And, uh, yep. I got his Look, I, got I just his want him to be our Tony Allen, pies. man. That's yeah. what I want. Yeah, I, he can be our Tony Allen. He can be, he can start our grit and grind. It'll be fine. Exactly. No, I I I have high hopes for Tori. I think he's. Um, I'm really interested to see what he does. Obviously, on that two way contract, it's a little bit interesting. Um, this because he won't. Obviously, he's not. He's limited on how much he can actually play up at the NBA level this year. Um, uh, he's limited unless they burn that contract down and give him a real one. Right. Right. Which so, means they'd have to. They'd have to open up a roster spot for him to. Uh, uh, yes. Take. So, gee, I wonder whose roster spot he could take. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, probably the guy who says he can play for the other twenty nine teams and be just fine would be my guess. Uh, Anyways, we're not, we're not, we weren't here to talk about Tory Craig. Let's keep on this. uh, (laughs) Even though, if Tory Craig is listening, which I'm sure he's not, but on the off chance that he is, man, just want you to know that uh, I think you're awesome and uh, I agree with your opinion on meat pies. But let's get, let's get back on (laughs) on topic here. My my favorite thing about our podcast is that we are like the traffic jam podcast. If you are locked up in traffic and there is some sort of dumpster fire on the highway, just put us on. We will just roll you for like an hour and a half. Exactly. This is not like one of those Adam Mara's 18-minute podcasts, man. Like, we we make sure you, you don't ever have to stay in the channel. It's fine. <laughs> and we we like to take our time. Topics. That's right. <laughs> That's right. We we were joking pre-pod about how, how, how this group, this trio, could have one topic and we could probably stretch it over an hour. Uh, and I tend to believe it, seeing where we're at already on this one. Um, so let's, let's, I'm going to rain us back in here. Uh, let's as, talk as about 20 let's people talk, click off already. Yeah, there are like, these guys are talking about meat pies. Get the hell out of here. Um, <laughs> anyways, so Jameer Nelson is out. You guys are killing me, but so Jameer Nelson is, is out, uh, for this game. Ryan, how big is that for Moody and Murray that they're going to get a chance right out of the gate to get all the minutes of point guard? Well, I mean, they, they're not going to win the point guard battle by sitting on the bench. So they they need this opportunity. Both of them do. I, I think Murray probably less so because he's going to get minutes no matter what. But Moutier especially needs this opportunity. He needs the time on the floor to show the coaches that he's grown. And if he can do that, then that really helps him in, in this battle against Jameer. Uh, as for either of them starting, if both of them suck, then it would not surprise me if Jameer starts. <laughs> And that's probably the worst possible thing at this point. Right. 
Right, which yes. is which is no knock on Jameer, but it's just like, man, you got you got two guys who drafted uh, number seven overall uh, who play point guard. Like, you really hope you you want them to work out because if they don't work out, then that's clearly a bad a bad draft pick. So it's not really a knock against Jameer, but it's just like, man, uh, it would be worst case scenario if he ends up being the starter because then you really have questions about. I think both of them. Um, I think, they, man, if Murray to me. And part of this is because I, I I've got such a high opinion of Murray um, on the basketball court and what he can do. I think he's a guy who has star, if not superstar, potential in him. Um, so part of this is the statement is is just my my already high opinion of him. But I feel like if 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 Jamal cannot beat out Jameer um, and Moutier for that uh, for that starting position, then suddenly I think you really have to rein back in your expectations about Jamal, and you got to start looking at it and being like. Maybe this guy is like a, a six man. Maybe he's like just a Will Barton replacement, and that's all. Uh, that's all he's going to be. And then, obviously, as I've said with Moutier, if he can't, um, if he can't do it, uh, beat out Jameer, then like I said, then that's that's kind of the writing on the wall for him. And I think that is compounded now, be or or even uh, even highlighted more by the fact that that Jameer is out to start the preseason, so these guys are going to get the first shot at it, no problem. Like. It's all setting up for one of these two guys to seize the first, um, to seize the first or the starting position, and it's all set up for the other guy to seize the backup position. Like they have zero excuse uh, in my mind right now that to not get this position. Gordon, do you th- would you say would you say you feel about the same, or do you think uh, you know what? It, once Jameer gets back, it'll be a full on competition no matter what these guys do tonight. Well. Honestly, <clears throat> the way that the Nuggets are set up, they really need one of the kids to come through. They only need one of them, right? Right. But they need one of them. Um, I don't think if if Jameer if Jameer winds up as the starting point guard for the Nuggets this year in Game One, um, that is concerning. But mostly, it's concerning because it might mean that um, Jamal Murray is only going to be um, a Gary Harris shooting guard. Right. And you already have Gary Harris, and you're trying to extend Gary Harris, and uh, maybe you don't want to do that if Jamal is going to have to play the two. Right. So it causes other problems with your roster. Um. So really, for me, the way that the way that it's going to work, I think that it's especially helpful um, to both of them for Jameer to be out, because we already know what Jameer can do. Jameer keeps proving what Jameer can do. You know, he's an old man who who figured out how to actually play with Jokic in the second half of last year, which was great. Um, but he's not great in enough himself at this point in his career. So you should beat that guy. You should certainly give him a run for his money. So if he takes it from both of you, that is bad. Um, but I, I think it's helpful to them, and I think that they should be splitting the reps, and I want them to split the reps for as long as they can. Because those are the two guys that have to grow. One of those guys has to be a significant player for this team. If right. either of them work right. out, the the Nuggets are going to have a huge problem um, making this work for the future. Just, yeah. just money-wise. Yeah. Just, just like the way that the money goes and the way that you've invested time and draft picks and whatever in these two guys, both of whom should be playing point guard, um, and if neither of them can, you have a huge sunk cost um, for you. And it doesn't mean they won't ever play it. But it means you have to make alternate plans, and that means you have to invest more money because Jameer can't keep coming back. Like, you know, right. Jameer's 9,000 years old. 
He can't. He can't be your starter forever. Right. So you're gonna you're gonna have to ditch that guy at some point and get a, a younger point guard in. So that means you might have to pay somebody um, significant cash to come here and be the point guard, and you don't know if they can with Jokic. Like it took. So you saw how long it took Jameer to go ahead and adjust to that. Um, how long would it take a new guy who's used to the ball? And why would a point guard come here if your center is already the point guard? So you right. you kind of want a combo guard to be your point guard, but the combo guard has to be good at it. Um, right now, Moody is more of a pure point, um, and he hasn't been good at it. So you're really it's it's Murray that for me, this is the referendum on Murray. I'm a little concerned that he didn't have as much summer to get better at being a point guard because he's had to spend it like healing from Rehabbing. surgery. Right. Yeah. yeah, you know, so he spent a lot of time doing rehab work instead of playing basketball and instead of working on drills and instead of going full contact or full speed. So for me, I, that's my only real concern is that it may take Murray, you know, the first quarter of the season to really get back into it. But everybody says he's been playing great. Everybody says, you know, even if even when they said that Moutier was great on day one, they said that, you know, yeah, that's, that's or in the first scrimmage. They said after that that, you know, Murray showed well, and Murray's doing well, because I expect Murray to do well. He doesn't need people's approval, and he just goes out and plays. Like, right. that's that's his gig. So, for me, this is helpful to them, but really, somebody needs to seize it, and that somebody really needs to be Murray, based on team construction. It just, it needs to be Murray. Yeah, yeah, I, well, I mean, I, I think it, I think if Moody a when goes out and wins the job too, I think he can make that work as well. It's a little bit different, you're right, because Moody is kind of a guy who needs the ball in his hands uh, quite a bit more than Murray does. Murray's obviously shown he can be quite effective off-ball. Uh, in fact, he's shown that he's probably more effective off-ball, at least right now, than he is on-ball, um, which works well with Jokic, whereas Moody is a guy who you want to keep that ball in his hands. I still think it would work out, but I thought what, what you would make, the point you made, Gordon, that was really really good was that that one of these guys has to work out because otherwise you're kind of stuck in a spot where where basically to me you're you're going to be right back where you're at right now uh three years from now when Millsap and, and Plumlee's deals are up and and you're then you'll probably have some money under the cap uh if Murray hasn't worked out you're probably not giving him a big contract and if Moutier hasn't worked out you're probably not giving him a big contract but you're still sitting there right there at that point three years from now wondering okay who are we putting around Nikola Jokic uh to get us from being more than just a low low seed in the playoffs uh, whereas if a guy like Moutier or Murray works out and works out really well and ends up being not only just a, a, a starter, but a very good starter, potentially even all-star type player, then you're saying, okay, uh, how far have we gone with Murray or Moutier plus Jokic plus Millsap? What do we, do we need, is Paul still the guy? If not, who do we add to those two guys to make this team a, a championship type contender right. player? Or team, so that's that to me is the big thing. I think you're just you basically without if those if those two guys don't work out, I basically think in, in three years we're we're going to be exactly where we're at right now, um, trying to figure this out and, and trying to figure out who's going to be who's going to help bring this team to being actually, um, actually just being able to continue a force. To the playoffs. Right, it, or yeah. it become a force exactly. So it'll I don't know, man. It's it's interesting to see. I. Like I like I said, I think both these guys have to. They, they they're given every opportunity well, right now. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. They. This is what the Nuggets asked for. 
they had an opportunity to go get a guy in a great point guard like Eric Bledsoe or George Hill or Kyrie Irving or name name said point guard that Red they could have. Uh, okay, uh, <laughs> that they could have <laughs> that they could have made a great offer for, and they could have offered up one of those guys. Maybe they did. We don't know for sure. Uh, here's the thing: like they they latched their and they latched their wagon onto those two for a reason. They believe in them, and right. one of them I I expect it to be Murray probably needs to show what they can do. We've said it countless right. times. Yep. Like like this is this is it. This is this is what they have latched themselves onto. And so Murray now needs to perform. Yep. It's put up or shut up time, that's for sure. Um all right, let's move into the last the very last topic here, which I think will go probably pretty quickly, but because um, I think we're all going to have the same answer. Uh, so I want to know, I'll ask you first, Ryan, do, does winning or losing this game matter at all? Nope. <laughs> Succinct and to the point. I agree. I don't think it really matters at all, other than the fact it would be nice to stick it to the Warriors and Kevin Durant. Um we have Wancho. He can stop Durant. I'm not yes. worried about it. Everybody, why does everybody keep bringing up that point? Have you looked at the uh, at Durant's <laughs> stat line from that game? Like Durant was the one player. The only thing that limited Durant in that game was that the, the Warriors were getting blown out, so he didn't play the fourth quarter. Otherwise, in like 25 minutes or something, he still scored like 24 points. No, uh, he, on like, that was the big know, thing. Shooting. That was the big thing is yep. that they kept him from un, they kept him under 20 points, and that was under 20. They, they yeah, 19 broke points. that streak, and and Wancho was the main catalyst for that. Was yep. Wancho was the guy who kept getting under his skin, and actually, like he was he was getting into him. And Steve Kerr took him out for fear of injury because they didn't want like Durant to be going too aggressive to try and get a stupid point streak. So it was awesome. All right, hold on, hold on. Let's let's hold on. 19 points. Let's book get, it. Let's, I want to get this. I want to get this stat it was, line. Yep, anyway. I'm with you. 19 points. Like I said, I haven't looked it up, but that's what the game was. Well, I'm gonna look it up because I think you guys are. I think you're off your. Go ahead, man. Here. But that was uh, yeah. They, it was because it was a record, and and he they kept, they left Durant in only because they pulled all the rest of the starters. Yeah. But Durant was like, I want another shot, and then he got stuffed, and he got stuffed again, and he and uh, Wancho got into a physical confrontation, and then Kerr pulled uh, Durant because he was like, Nah, we're done. Like I can't have you out there getting hurt. <laughs> Um, I just, I, I thought for sure I had looked this up and I was like, ah, he didn't really do that good. Um, but you know what? I'm not, I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to pull this up fast enough. Oh no, I'm going to do it like right here. Ready? Ryan's going to do it. <laughs> Ryan's going to do it. I'll go, I'll pull up his game logs. He's going to pull up his game logs. I'm going to try and... Nothing's uh, as exciting as listening to us trying to pull up game as, logs uh, as on we, a podcast. Everybody's, everybody's like, dude, it's oh, one hour you know and 15 minutes. Get to it. We were Here wrong. It, is. Here it, it was is. it was Boom! eighteen points. Ah, oh, what? Yeah. Yep. What, what was the shooting though? Eight of sixteen. Eight of sixteen. Shot fifty percent from the field. Uh, Whatever. Shut up. Uh, I, I I don't know if that's necessarily locking the guy up. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> he was a plus twenty nine. Plus twenty nine. Excellent. <laughs> um, <laughs> Everybody was a plus twenty nine on that one. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, I think we're gonna we're gonna call it a pod on that because we are almost yeah. We, we got to cut it. <laughs> so, 
so all right, so everyone, uh, everyone who kept listening for the last ten minutes, we're very sorry. Yeah, and we appreciate uh, you guys. We're just sticking with yeah. us. Yeah, the four yeah. of you who stuck with us are badasses. Everyone else, <laughs> oh well, they can't hack it. And three of so, you are writers um, on the staff. Of course, as you guys know. And three. <laughs> yep. <laughs> appreciate you, Adam. Um, <laughs> so. <laughs> Uh, so, all right. Uh, obviously, Chip follows uh, at, at Twitter um, at Denver Stiffs. Uh, Ryan is the ninth Ryan Blackburn on Twitter at Ryan Blackburn nine. Gordon Absolutely. is at G Money Nugs. No dollar signs, no Z's. Um, and I am, of course, at Zach Mikosh. That's M I K A S H. Zach Mikosh. Boring. Make sure to follow us all on Twitter if you are not. I know it's boring. Also, if you guys want to follow the Pickaxe podcast on Twitter, you can. Uh, uh, full disclosure, I like it. it totally hey, leave a review. Leave a review for this guy. Zach puts in constant effort on this, and this is <laughs> reviews are the best way, honestly, to get exposure. And if you want better quality for the Pickaxe podcast in future episodes, Leaving reviews and making it as popular as possible is the best way to do that. So go do that. That's right, because if you guys don't do it, I'm just going to quit, man. I'm sick of this shit. No. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note. And on that note, we are going to close it out. Appreciate out you guys here. listening, and we will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the Pickaxe Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and visit us on the web at denverstiffs.com. It's time to get serious about California's failing infrastructure. More than 1,600 bridges are structurally deficient. Proposition 6 will make things even worse. Prop 6 eliminates more than $5 billion annually in dedicated transportation funding. And 6 kills local traffic relief projects already underway. That's why the California Professional Firefighters and California Association of Highway Patrolmen all say no on 6. Paid for by no on Prop 6. Stop the attack on bridge and road safety. Sponsored by business, labor, local governments, and transportation advocates. Committee major funding from California Alliance for Jobs. It's time to get serious about California's failing infrastructure. More than 1,600 bridges are structurally deficient. Proposition 6 will make things even worse. Prop 6 eliminates more than $5 billion annually in dedicated transportation funding. And 6 kills local traffic relief projects already underway. That's why the California Professional Firefighters and California Association of Highway Patrolmen all say no on 6. Paid for by no on Prop 6. Stop the attack on bridge and road safety. Sponsored by business, labor, local governments, and transportation advocates. Committee major funding from California Alliance for Jobs.